I'm Jasmine. And I'm Erica. And this is Church Days, a call and response to Christianity and the culture. Hey everyone, welcome back to Church Days. I'm Melina. I'm Jasmine. And I am drained. <laughs> Y'all should have known I wasn't going to say my name. I know. I was like, Erica's not going to play along. I know. There's always one in the group. It's Gosh, me. Erica. It is me. It is and me. He's like, I am ready for bed. <laughs> I'm ready for bed too. I feel like, I know we were just saying this before we started recording. I have a lot of work to do when I get done. Hello. So much work. So uh, much work. Why? One of them is making dinner. Like I have to, I need to eat something like that's fair that's important. that's fair yeah I mean that's why I couldn't imagine the adults that come home after work and like actually cook a new meal every day like uh-uh meal prep all day and then I also mean. have to like feed other humans and then feed other humans that's the other thing like I could not imagine <laughs> my life and having to then feed and clothe and pay attention to little humans oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah. no thank you <laughs> yeah but not right now Lord, yeah not right but- now not right now future yes but not right now yeah and then also not the little humans the more medium-sized humans have homework <gasps> oh yeah yeah that but, doesn't even make sense anymore right like new math what is what why, why are yeah. doing all of this to, to add things and multiply why is i know this we're we're this does not make sense this is not streamlined yeah i'm already okay with not being smarter than a fifth grader like i've accepted <laughs> that and i'm really hoping that my child is just really smart and gifted and, and they're like mom, me things. right they're like mom back off i got this you just cool. did it wrong <laughs> teach them the the important things like you know how to balance love thy neighbor i mean that <laughs> but also like balance a budget and pay taxes yeah. yes, yes. The important things in life that you can't yes. escape. Exactly. <laughs> that. That. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you're drained, Erica. Me too. Um, well, we will, we will let you go as soon as we're done. <laughs> it's fine. I, I enjoy being here. It's the, the lots of people that drain my energy, but this is fine. Okay, good. I'm glad we're not draining. We're adding. Yes. That's good. Good to know. <laughs> good to know. So today I don't really have a segue, but um, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite things, um, money. Um, money, 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 money. Do y'all remember that unit song? Money, 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 cake. No, no. Maybe I should cut that out. <laughs> G, G unit? I, I think it's G I, unit. Listen, I barely remember G unit. So there's <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was G unit. I mean, I'm sure it is. It's just you like, oh, right. that was a thing at one point. That was like I a sure whole was. group, kind of. Oh, <laughs> yeah. man. Yes, Cake by Lloyd Banks. Oh, Lloyd Banks. What is he doing with his life? I now? need the cake. <laughs> I need to, yeah, I have to, I need, once I listen to the melody, I think I'll be able to remember it. But right now I'm like blank. Okay. Well, if I had good editing skills, I'd probably play in the background right now. <laughs> All right, go ahead. You love money, girl. Go ahead. What's the... <laughs> what I don't love is the church's entanglement with money. Ooh. So our topic today 
is the church's entanglement with money. Should churches be tax exempt? All right. All right. And I went down a lot of rabbit holes. Um, You love those. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Every time I found something new, I was like, oh my God, who do I tell? I need to let somebody (laughs) know. (laughs) But I wanted to play, I wanted to play a game. And I think we've played this before. Maybe it was called something else. I can't remember. Um, It's called, it's not in the Bible. Um, Mm. So it was just a few phrases that we hear um, and think that it's been taken from a scripture, but actually uh, was made up and misinterpreted and taken out of context. Um, and so the first one is this too shall pass. No, how many times have y'all heard that? Yeah, that's not, so many times. Yeah. But they, a lot of people lot. say it, right? Like when yeah. they're, they're trying to like, I guess, I don't know if you're going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Usually when it's something bad, they'll be like, oh, this too shall pass. Even though that is true. It's not going to last. Trouble don't last always. Mm-hmm. That's um, also not in, in the Bible. Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's not in the Bible. It is not in the Bible. The statement, it came to pass, is stated 400 times in the Bible, oh. um, in the King James Version. Um, and it's it stems from 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18, for our light and mom- momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. And it goes on. So that's kind of where it comes from, but it's not exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay saying that um the next one is god will not give you more than you can handle like not directly yeah i feel like there's something like you can twist you can chop and screw it to get to that idea but i don't think it's verbatim yeah it's not verbatim it actually comes from matthew eleven twenty eight. 28 come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and i will give you rest so he is not saying that I won't put more on you. What he's saying is come to me with everything. Right. Rely on mm-hmm. me. Rely mm-hmm. on me. Um, doesn't have anything to do with what he thinks you can handle or not. Right. Exactly. Right. He's like, I give you what you, I gave you. I said what I said. Yes. Now come talk to me about it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in that tone, we don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, that's the first I'm thinking about. So it in first Corinthians 10, three, where it says no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful. He would not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when Mm -hmm. you are tempted, he would also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So yes, just taking parts and make it into this, which is yes, not in the Bible. (laughs) That's a good one though. I didn't, I didn't think about that one. Um, Okay. The next one is God helps those who help themselves. I've heard that a lot, especially growing up. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. It's, <laughs> it's actually con it contradicts um Jesus because right. uh yeah. Roman 5 8 says, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So we could not help ourselves. Right. Hello. <laughs> and he had to die. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Some of us still can't help ourselves, but that's <laughs> let's talk about it or not. Um, that's for another one <laughs> <laughs> later. <laughs> um, I like this one because I say this a lot. Because uh, if you live with somebody um, and they're they're not as clean as you or tidy as you, it can kind of get underneath your skin. Cleanliness is next to godliness. I want that to be in the Bible. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I've looked. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I don't even know if Jesus himself was clean. I think he was. Like I mean, back then, did, did they take showers? I don't know. 
they bathed. They bathed, I'm sure, in some waters. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got his feet washed. We we know he that. He did get his feet washed with it's some perfume, right? I mean, I people wash people other feet. He did wash others' feet. Oh, he got baptized. So there you, you go. In the so lake, he got, he got, he got water there. <laughs> but what's his name? Um, uh, who got He's 30. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's not, let's not do Jesus like that. <laughs> we ain't going to do him like that. But I'm just saying it's, it's not in the Bible. It's Cleanliness nice. is, it's nice. It sounds nice. It's, um, everything happens for a season. Reason. For a season, yes, that's that's. In, I mean, yeah, for a reason. Ecclesi- Sorry, yeah. everything uh, happens for a reason. Yes, Lord. Ecclesiastes. Yeah, a season, Actually, re- a season. Yeah, season so, to blah blah blah. There's a season yes. to rape, a season to. So it's not reason, harvest, plant, like how people say it. It's not everything happens for a reason, but Ecclesiastes three one does say to everything is a season. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like oh this happened to you for a reason mm-hmm. it might teach you something it might help you grow but it didn't happen for a reason mm-hmm. and my favorite one money is the root of all evil it's the love of yes. money the love of money that's right the love of money that's right yes yes yeah timothy six ten says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and that was the game it's not in the bible so if you were at a church Boom. and you hear any of these statements, reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> or at least I'm just, like, I'm just playing. bring it to just somebody's attention. It. Like that's yeah. not, it's not in the Bible. It might just sound nice. Kind of go over your head. Right. <laughs> you know, it, the, the, the sermon might be good. So don't leave. Um, <laughs> but yeah, growing up in church, um, what are some of the things that you heard preached about money that had, as an adult has you questioning, was that taken out of context or is that really in the Bible? Eric, I know you have to have it. You know, she's got to have something. It is me. Well, I mean, I mean, in the Catholic Church, they don't really talk about it directly. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. So I don't remember. I don't ever remember hearing conversations about. Uh, I mean, there might have been a sermon or two about tithing, but it never really hit me or struck me. Or I don't. I don't remember mm-hmm. any of those things. How did, how did you guys, do you remember how they tithed? I know you were younger, but like, do you remember like- Yeah, envelopes. Was there, oh, they, they, so they, did they have like a- um, the Envelopes beginning? had your name on it. Like you your had name. to be like registered to a diocese uh, and then they would mail the box of envelopes home with the date. And so you could, you would literally go and be like, um, like I'm going whatever weekend, you know, August, whatever. Um, and then- and pull out that envelope. I don't know if they still do it that way and then put your money in. So like you could, they know, you know, it was already pre-filled out for you. It already had the date oh. on it. So hmm. they had the box for a year. So hmm. they like took a lot of initiative for, mm-hmm. for, for people. Also yeah. killed a lot of trees. Killed a lot of trees yeah. and um, were tracked pretty hardcore. Oh yeah, that's that's one way to, to track mm-hmm. who's giving it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've been to a Catholic church I think maybe once or twice. And I don't remember them talking about tithing. Like there wasn't like, um, you know, the singing and then, hey, let's go ahead and give our tithe and offerings. And then the sermon. I don't remember there being that. Well, I mean, it's just, it's all structured. So you already know what part of the sermon it comes in. You like, you already know what part of the, um, mm-hmm. whatever it is. What is it? The mass um, mm-hmm. that it comes in like mm-hmm. most churches. So it was, yeah, just came in, pass it around. 
it's, they're usually singing and preparing the Eucharist, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> what about you, Erica? So what I remember is the the reading of like the scripture in Malachi. Malachi three will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. So that scripture was said a lot. And then there's a part like later saying you are cursed with a curse. So of mm-hmm. course, again, reading that out of context, that was said in a specific time to the people of Israel for a specific reason. But out mm-hmm. of context, it was implied, sometimes directly said, if you don't tithe, then you have a curse on your life. So of course that makes people scared, you know, mm-hmm. not wanting God to, to curse them. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes the talk around tithing did seem like coercive um because you know this again talking to the israelites that's also old testament and old covenant so you know under new covenant you're not you're not cursed jesus took on all curses on the cross so yeah just kind of pulling that that out was def that definitely was taken out of context um Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm kind of i'm i'm along the same lines i think um Growing up, I didn't really understand what was being said, but as I've gotten older, I've noticed that um, tithing has been um, um, tied to blessings. And so Mm kind of like what you were saying, like, you're not going to be blessed. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't say cursed, but they would say you're not going to be blessed um, if you don't tithe or blessings will be more if you Mm -hmm. do tithe. Um, And so not to like, you know, stop anyone from tithing, but I always wondered, like, what about your timing? Because we've all like served mm-hmm. and I feel like we've all kind of gone above and beyond in some aspects of serving. And to me, you know, your time and helping um, helping your church move forward and reach more people and um, and, you know, also you're involved in the whole salvation process just by doing that. And so to me, that's really important and actually matters more. And I felt better doing that than just giving money. Mm-hmm. So um, I've always questioned, like, why not, you know, preach um, time and, and energy and being at the church and helping more people come and get to know Christ versus just money. I feel like there is always like a, I don't know, mm-hmm. an imbalance there. But um, yeah, that's that's one of the things I heard. It was like your blessing. You're not going to be blessed. Mm-hmm. Or there was always one church I went to always had a story. I love the story. Every Sunday it was a new story of someone who did something. They were either in the hospital. They were always really sick. It was like they were in the hospital and they got, you know, they tithed and they were like, and then they went to go see them and pray with them. And then they got a kidney. Like it was always mm-hmm. something like that. And I'm like, really? Like this sounds great, but mm-hmm. is it needed? I don't think right. so. I'm, yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And I but, think the other thing that made me think of was when I was growing up, like the televangelists were really big. So you would see like preachers on TV saying, like, if you if you sow a seed and mail it in, you'll be healed or you'll get out of debt or whatever. Um so that was kind of another thing, kind of like an exchange. If you give this to, to God via me, 
then mm-hmm. I this this thing <laughs> this thing in your life will be made better. You'll get the whatever the outcome is that you're praying for will will happen for you. You just got to sow a seed of twenty dollars, and then I'll send you this prayer cloth, and you put it on yourself, <laughs> and you'll be healed. But no, seriously, like like that was actually a thing. I feel like it still might be a thing, but just less so. Like I remember seeing those commercials on TV like a lot. Mm-hmm. Did they come on at night? A lot of them came on late at night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, but it couldn't I'm, have been that late because I wasn't allowed to stay up that late. So maybe like just random or like the public access channels. I don't know. Yeah. I have woken up. I don't remember what channel I was watching, but I remember waking up um, in the middle of the night because I've left the TV on and that would be on. And I'm like, mm. what in the world? I mean, that It would be, you know, because I forgot to turn the TV off. Um, yeah. Bothers me. That, that bothers me. Um what does the Bible say about money? It says a lot of things about money, but the heart of the matter is money can become something that rules our lives. Um, idol of sorts. God's desire is for us to have a life to full to the fullest. And he knows that worshiping money will keep us from that. And I guess, you know, one of the questions I had was why does the church talk about money? I mean, God did. I mean, <laughs> yes, definitely. But also like, you need money to do things you know mm-hmm. and at least the way that most churches function like you there are things to pay for so yeah 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 one of the biggest reasons that churches um do talk about money is because um god talks a lot about money um 16 out of 38 of jesus parables deal with money and possessions nearly 25 percent of jesus words in the new testament deal with biblical stewardship one out of 10 verses in the gospels deals with money as well. Um, the second reason was um, it's believed that there's a direct correlation between the way we handle our money and our faith. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, I think it's just one aspect of the way yeah. we manage a lot of things, like how we like manage our life in general is a, yeah. is a testament to our faith. I think finances though can be one of the harder things for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so- it's very easy for people to give up other things like time, mm-hmm. right? Um, so people might be at church all day, but not tithe, not like being mm-hmm. concerned about tithing, not even just tithing to the church, like giving back in general. Mm-hmm. So like you can be miserly in lots of ways. Um, and so I think a lot of, yeah. So I think it just money's um, just a way that people are probably the most like, they hold on to a lot. Yeah. 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 Crypt, crypt tight on. Um, so that's why to me, I think also like, um, and thankfully I haven't been in that situation, but like, I couldn't imagine having faith knowing that like, I couldn't, you know, um, afford to like feed my family or Mm -hmm. put a roof over my family's head. Like that would be, that takes a lot of faith to believe that, okay, Mm -hmm. God is going to help. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would, I, I don't know if my faith would, is strong enough. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. pretty harsh. So it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was just wondering what your thoughts were. Um, the Bible is packed with over 2000 scriptures about money, tithing in the Bible and possessions. That's twice as many Bible verses about money than faith and prayer combined. Wow. Mm. That I thought was very interesting because I definitely would have thought faith would have, mm-hmm with a would have um had more scriptures than money 
I feel like, you know, if you think about it, when we talk about like the whole faith and money thing, Paul talks about being content in every circumstance. And so that goes back to what you were saying, Melina, like how hard it is to, how hard it would be to not have, know when your next paycheck is coming, to not have food on the table, to not be able, might not be able to have a house over your head, have no way of knowing where you are going to get that from and still believing in God. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a really tangible um, example of how you can practice faith because things can be taken from you. Things can Mm -hmm. be given to you like Job, you know, yeah. Um, you can have be the richest man and have everything. And then it get taken from you instantly. And like, where's your faith then? Um, so I think it's just the most tangible aspect of how to be able to walk faith out maybe. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I agree. How do you guys feel about knowing where your money is going? I like, like that. Okay. I like, <laughs> I, yes. I like transparency and, and accountability. Boom and boom with the, with the words. Okay. Yep. <laughs> do you think, um, do you think that the churches you've been to have been um, good at like stewarding the money? <sighs> We've literally both made the same face. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <We saw> it. <laughs> it, I think I can answer that in two ways in, in context to in comparison to other churches, sure. I mm-hmm. think churches on a large scale, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, there have definitely been churches that I've gone to that have like disclosed, like this is where kind of all of the donations have, have gone and show like where money goes mm-hmm. in terms of like salaries, donations, who they're donating to, all of, all of that. Um, and other churches that there's really nothing mm-hmm. um so I think there's a a spectrum in terms of like the transparency and accountability um but at large and I'm sure we'll get to this later I think that churches could be better stewards of their resources because they do get a, a lot of money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ditto. yeah I guess I'm not talking about or maybe I am there have been like churches I've gone to and you're like, okay, there's money for the building fund, but y'all haven't put a new doorknob yeah. on any of these doors or currents or any, like, like, I feel like in those situations, I'm just like, where is the money going? Like, how are you guys allocating this? Like, what mm-hmm. yeah. is my money really paying for? Right. Um, yeah. I like to know. Um, and I feel like you said um, some churches have done better when compared to other churches, but and as a whole, I, I think churches in general are not the best at it. Um, yeah, because they probably don't have to be. I was going to say, do they have to be? <laughs> Yeah, they don't really necessarily have to be. Yep. Um, an article in Bloomberg Business Week discussed how cover-ups worked when victims and their families could be intimidated or shamed into silence after sexual abuse. In the 1980s and 90s, victims started filing civil lawsuits that DSS were the alleged diocese. diocese, sorry, diocese where the alleged incidents took place. Although many settlements took place in court along with um, non-disclosure agreements in return, the church paid about 750 million from the 80s through the two through 2002. So you're talking about the Catholic Church. Yeah. Yes, this was sexual scandals. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of money. So, and I'll get to this later, but just in the back of your mind, keep the 750 million 
from the 80s to the early 2000s in the back of your mind. Um, total payouts are approximately $3 billion in major settlements and awards in the United States. Oh, wow. that, that number, I don't know if it's just Catholic churches. Um, um, it didn't really say, but. So where do you guys think the money for these lawsuits are coming from? Settlements and. That's where else, that's, where else could the money come from? <laughs> That's a lot of, that's a lot of money yeah. from tithes. Like, People are paying a lot of money to the church. Yeah. Um, to help settle lawsuits. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I was just blown away. I could not imagine like $750 million going towards settlements. And to think like the people before this, before the eighties, when, when people were being shamed and silenced, they didn't get anything mm-hmm. for their troubles. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until people were a little bit more, um, you know, I guess tired of what was going on and started speaking out that they even started doing settlements. Um, uh, there's a, ch- um, it's called Church Law Center. And I think it's in California. I was just like, I can't believe there's a thing for this. There's like a law office dedicated to this stuff. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> they need lawyers too. Yeah, Absolutely. they do. I guess they do. Um, attorney and co-founder of Church Law and Tax, Richard Hammer, is the, a leading authority on legal issues facing churches as well as religious and educational organizations. And he had a list of five reasons why um, churches get sued. Um, the first one being sexual abuse of a minor. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Property disputes, personal injury. So if anyone gets hurt at the church, um, mm-hmm. zoning, um, if they're building and they, you know, and I've talked to you guys about this. Zoning is a big deal when you're trying to be a church. Um, and so you can run into issues with that, especially if something is rezoned. Um, and then insurance coverage, insurance coverage disputes. So those are the five reasons that churches can face lawsuits, one of the top five. And one of the interesting things, I'm not sure if I said this later, I might not have, but insurance coverage. Well, I'll say this, uh, personal injury, sexual abuse of a minor. So when you have insurance um, for, for your church, a lot of these things that I listed are covered. But the sexual abuse of a minor is usually not covered under that. So whenever you have that, <laughs> yeah, it's not. So yeah. what ends up happening is um, in the article, talk a little bit more about it. You have a certain amount of time frame before you can say, I need you to help me with this. So you would have to file the claim before it gets like, I guess, known. And so like, OK, I see this coming down the pipeline. People have been complaining. We might we might be facing a lawsuit soon. So then you can go ahead and say, I need coverage for this. But at that time, your insurance company is also like, we don't have to accept this. We don't have to cover you for this. We can actually decline the, um, the coverage you're requesting. So I think you have like, I don't know if, if you hear that someone's going to be, you know, throwing a lawsuit because of some kind of sexual abuse that took place at the church by a church member or something like that, or a coworker, um, you have, let's say 30 days to file this claim or to, to let your lawyers or your insurance company know, and then they can in turn say yes or no. And most of them say no. So going back to what I said earlier, where is the money coming from? 
those like sexual abuse um, lawsuits are not coming from insurance that the church has taken out. It's coming from like the church's resources, which Absolutely. in turn is your resources. Right. Right. As um, good tithing Christians and church goers, Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, I don't know why people would expect anything less. You know, it's like if it's a tax exempt organization, where do you think, where, like, where do they think they get the money from? True. So it has to, that's why churches push tithing so hard because they need those funds to be able to do what they want to do or push their agenda or whatever. So it's like, yes, any logical person should think that if my church is paying out something, it's because of the money that I've mm-hmm. made, I've given them. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hopeful. <laughs> Girl, oh, that's really you, sweet of you. You're just the, the optimist of the group. <laughs> really, really I, when I was, when I was like looking into this, cause I was like, where's the, that was one of the questions. I was like, where's all this money coming from? And I was like, clearly like, you know, they have to have insurance. Like, you know, whenever, you know, there's any chances of you getting sued, like even medical malpractice, like you have insurance coverage for that because anything can happen. I really thought churches with the amount of money that they bring in, I'm like, surely they're insured. And I just thought that this felt in that, but it doesn't. Criminal so. things you can't really insure against. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. That is true. You know? Yeah. And I don't think that um, insurance companies should be paying for it. So it's and, good to see that they are pretty yeah. strict about that. And I'd also have an issue with a church that is paying for sexual abuse coverage. Like, yeah, that would be very gross. <laughs> that's really how you want to utilize your resources. And yeah. nah, I'm good. It's probably not yeah. this I want to be. That's very true. Mm, that's gross. Um, according to how much do you guys know about Scientology? And all Tom I need Cruise. to know is that <laughs> what is enough to know it ain't for me. She said Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, he is one of the members. He's one of the um, celebrity members. Yep. Said enough um, to know that it ain't for me. <laughs> I watched the documentary that was on um, Netflix by Leah. Um, it's really really good and the more I watched it the more I felt like I feel like there are a lot of churches who operate like this but believe in Christ do it in the name of Christ um, but Scientology yeah so they pretty much believe in science um, and they believe in their um, founder um, according to Jeffrey Augustine author of the blog the Scientology money project the church has book has a book value of 1.7 billion and about 1.5 billion of that is invested in real estate so this is the the church of scientology yes okay yes okay the church of scientology um he also estimates that the annual revenue collected by the church is about 200 million and that's dated back in 2018 i know that recently with her documentary a lot of people have left the church of scientology um, and have come forward with the, you know, things that took place um, and what they experienced. And so I don't know if that number is less now, but watching that documentary, and it's a really good documentary, um, a docu-series, it talks about how a lot of people were, were paying the, you had to pay like dues. I don't know if they call them tithing, they call them dues. And so in order to get to like another level in the church of Scientology, you had to pay a certain amount. And these, the amounts were not, you know, like 10% of your salary or what you hear um, at church. 
um, mm -hmm. your 10th, it was like 75,000, 100,000. And a lot of these people that were talking about it were using their credit card or selling their house. And this okay. was what was, in, it was encouraged for them to do this. Um, mm -hmm. So like you had someone that you talked to on the phone and they would send you like a plaque. And so you would get like these, um, every time you got to another level, you got some kind of certificate or something in the mail to say that like you're at this level now. Um, and there, there was like someone that you would communicate with who would encourage this. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, but um, one controversial litigation surrounding um, the Church of Scientology was them becoming tax exempt. Um, so the church was founded in 1952, um, and they had a 37-year dispute because they were not church, um, they weren't tax exempt when they first started. Um, in 1993, um, the IRS reached an agreement under which the church discontinued all of its litigation against the IRS and paid 12 point and pay 12.5 million to settle a tax debt said to be around in the billions. So the Church of Scientology paid 12.5 million to settle this, and they were actually awarded tax exempt status in 1993 after 37 years. Yeah. Um, thoughts, comments, smart remarks? <laughs> uh, I didn't care. <laughs> all of that money, all that's, of that money was the 12.5 million was from people's donations. Oh, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, but they're also supposed to be tax debt of around a billion dollars. They weren't considered tax, tax exempt. So they went from a billion dollars to 12.5 million. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, that's not that bad for other people's money. True. Well, they, and they there's some churches. There's, they, right. They but settled, a settlement yeah. of that is like 90% off almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're only paying 10% of what is technically owed. And some churches get $12 million just in end of year offerings. Okay. True. That's true. true. Very true. Very true. So they're obviously going to be fine, which is the problem. Uh, <laughs> What else, Melina? Keep sharing. <laughs> so I feel like this might yeah. be a good time for me to, to interject. So um, randomly, right before we start recording, I just did like to do my, my little own Google. So I came across this media, post on Medium by Dan Foster. So he writes under, let me talk about his little media, Backyard Church. So it's very interesting. <laughs> So it's thoughts about applying a 2000 year old religion to a 21st century context. So I might look and see other things that he wrote about. Uh, but this post is how churches really spend their money. So he references a 2017 study from the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving. So they surveyed over 1200 US churches about how they spent their money and the results were published in 2019. And just the, the numbers baffled me. So I'll share. Um, so <laughs> in 2017, US churches received 124.52 billion in donations. Annual congregation revenue ranged from $3,000 to 41 million with the median congregational revenue being 169,000. Um, the majority of that was in like small to medium donations. So 
Um, 28% was under 100K, 33% was between 100K to 245K. Most of it came from. It is. It is. Um, Yeah. Most of it came from individual donations, which is 81%. I didn't realize churches have endowments. So apparently, 34% of the congregations that were surveyed have endowments. Interesting. So I thought that was interesting. I also didn't realize that churches could receive government grants. So 2% of churches receive revenue from government grants. So that's kind of sources of church revenue. Um, So factors that affect a a church's income. So among congregations that teach on giving weekly, so 9% of churches, 90% reported financial growth. So less than 10% of churches talk about giving weekly, but these churches report 90% financial growth. So the ones that talk about it more get the more money. Um, So among churches who discuss giving monthly, reported financial growth was 73%. Um, and hmm. then around 43% of congregations teach their congregants about giving either once per year or never. Um, so yeah, so that's about half of the churches that bring it up semi-frequently. Um, the, the preachers be looking at the monies. So mm-hmm. <laughs> among congregations whose clergy look at giving records, 58% report an increase in the amount of giving they receive. of those churches report an increase of 10% or more. So if the pastor is tracking your money, it helps the church's bottom line. Um, And then, so what do they spend their money on? So personnel and wages account for 49% of spending in 2018. So that was the biggest expense. And then the second greatest expense was maintaining the building. So that's 23% of the budget. Um, So that's basically- Three quarters. Yep. Yes. Three quarters of, of the budget goes to paying for staff and buildings and maintaining buildings. Um, and then the remaining funds are distributed between missions. So spreading the message of the church programs, doing the work of the ministry and dues. So 11%, 10% and 6% respectively. Um, and so he, to kind of towards the end gave some interesting commentary. So this section was, how would Jesus feel about the church's spending? So he quotes the author, James W. Frick, who once said, don't tell me where your priorities are, show me where you spend your money and I'll tell you what your priorities are. Um, So based on that, eh, based on where the money is, it seems like those are the primary interests. Um, So they say, so he says, churches spend much more money acquiring real estate and developing property than they do on helping the poor and needy. For every dollar spent doing the actual work of helping the poor and needy, the church spends at least $5 paying wages to its pastors and leaders. This represents a profound cognitive dissonance between the church's stated values and its actual values. It all reeks of a system that is determined to preserve itself at all costs. The, the very idea must make Jesus turn over in his grave if he were still in it. I like that little joke at the end. That was funny. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. I know, right? And uh-huh. then he kind of puts it into perspective. So the $124.52 billion total, around $90 billion of that is paying staff wages, buying more land and building more buildings. What could the church do with that $90 billion? So 25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases within five years. 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy globally within five years. 
15 billion can solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than $1 per day, and 1 billion could fully fund all overseas mission work. This is what I'm talking about. Uh, and now all that, even if they spent all that, that would leave U.S. churches with $37 billion for ministry expansion at a local level. Like, it's not like that would like deplete their total funds. They would still have mm -hmm. multiple billions of dollars left over. And you know what's interesting to me too, is that how much money is spent on personnel, but mm -hmm. uh, so many churches are run based off volunteer power. Yeah. Ooh. That's very good. I didn't even think Lay about lie. that. Me neither. Ooh. Ooh. Because <laughs> I feel like I was owed. <laughs> I feel like I need to be in that. You need to pay me as much time as I, I mean. mean not that I, yeah. I love wow. doing it. But yeah, you're right. Like, wow. You are. It, a lot of these churches run on volunteer. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So it's like even more telling that. Like, so what agenda? I think what agenda is more important, I guess, is the question. And unfortunately, I feel like the church culture is sometimes be is being pushed instead of um, mm -hmm. walking out and trying to help really help the world. So they're like, I'm helping the world by trying to get more people to Jesus. And mm -hmm. that's great. Like we are supposed to make a disciple, you know, go out and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And I get that. But at what expense? And so when I think about um, like we can we can make disciples of people by truly giving them the shirts off our back. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's not even, you're not even like, you can still thrive and serve all these and solve all these problems mm -hmm. single-handedly. Yeah. And I think the other question is like, what are they making people disciples of? Is it disciples of Jesus or disciples of the brand? If we go back to one of our previous conversations, because I, I know Melina, you've talked to us about like, are these churches like really creating disciples? Because I think there's a, I mean, there is a difference between being disciples and being a church goer. Mm -hmm. So, because I think a lot of it, yes, it's important to, to bring people to Christ, but then what, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But where does what? it go after that? And that's where like the discipleship comes in. Um, and yeah, like I said, yeah, discipling of what? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, salvation is almost treated as, um, as the end, like once you're mm -hmm. saved, it doesn't end there. And we've kind of talked about that, you know, back in season one, like now I'm saved now what? And that's mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. where I feel like churches have dropped the ball. Like you, you, salvation is great, but if you don't have anything in place to help them stay saved, mm -hmm. then, then what happens? Mm -hmm. What happens to that person? Um, yeah. that's crazy. I'm just, yeah and it's on that point the the author talks about the, the church that he attends so he says the church i attend meets in the humble home of one of the members we gather each week around their table and share a simple meal together where we intentionally remember jesus we catch up we share our joys and struggles we encourage each other and keep each other accountable we pray and give we do all of this without paying a person to lead it when our church takes up offering 100 percent of the money is given back to bless and help needy and hurting people um, he also talks about how the institutional church people in his life um, call this like false teaching and, and heresy and like this is not how church is supposed to be but like this is how church started. That's how church started. <laughs> and, so. I, and 
we talked about that, like, is that going to be the future of church moving mm. forward? Are they going to be like small, just home churches, which technically would be nice. Like I, I, I'm struggling right now with the larger church because of things such as this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I think a lot of things are getting, like you said, getting lost in the brand and not necessarily on the man. Mm-hmm. Oh, all yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. One, two, one, two. Oh, yeah, look at me. <laughs> bombs. What, spitting thought balls. Hot yes, balls, hot, hot balls. Fire. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that's where it's just like, I don't really want to get caught up in who who's on the stage mm-hmm. and what it's supposed to look like, but like, how are, how am I learning and growing to have a better and deeper relationship with the Lord? And how am I walking in my purpose and how am I giving back to my community? Mm-hmm. And, um, I definitely want to see more of that. I think also one of those things that I've realized is that so many churches kind of like are excited about the fact that they're like, oh yeah, we like, 10% of all the tithes go straight to outreach or we go straight to give back to um, your community. And it's like, okay, so you, you tie the way I tie that's sweet. But then what happens to, you know, so that's 90% of the other money mm-hmm. doing what exactly. And that's mm-hmm. building buildings and paying for their staff mm-hmm. and doing the project that they seem deem fit. Mm-hmm. And and don't forget within and this was of course it's particularly mega churches like the lights and the equipment yes. and all mm-hmm. the stuff that fills the buildings. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily what's in the building and what keeps them there. Right. Which is sad. Yeah. But we have an awesome show. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to do that though. I feel like that's where me and me and Marcus have talked a lot about like just especially after COVID and like what it's looking like and all the revelations that we've gotten um and what we're looking for from a church. Um I think that's kind of where we're headed. Like we want to um open up our home to something like that. And I don't know what it looks like, but that's definitely something that has been in the back of my mind for a really long time. And mm-hmm. I just feel like that is, that is the future of my church mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and our household. Um, because right now I just don't really feel like being at a church. I just don't, I don't, I just don't feel led to go there. Like in this season, I still love Jesus, still mm-hmm. love God. My faith is still very strong, if not stronger now than it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe just from like n- not being around that noise um, from what is, I, I still feel like, like when you were reading Erica, I was like, we would have to teach Jesus how to do church. Cause he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He don't know. He doesn't know. <laughs> right. Like, no, we have to show you, we have to show you how we do things. And that's kind of like, I feel like that's what I hear. Oh, that was yeah. a lot. Um, all right. Well, huh. Do y'all think churches should be tax exempt? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that question is uh pretty obvious. Uh I don't know. I I what do y'all think? I feel like y'all might not think that, but I don't know. I think there's just such a scale because even when Erica said about how people range such the range the range of the amount of money churches make a year. Mm-hmm. And then the average being from like, you know, 3000 to 
however many million million, and then you have the median being 169 like you uh, 169,000 or something like that in the hundred thousands that more people are making a lot there's not as many mega churches as we may think or the mega churches are making a lot more money right yeah Mm -hmm. but obviously there's a lot more smaller churches not making that much money yeah so so they are probably the ones that could probably benefit more from tax exempt status because they're usually the ones that are smaller, more uh, and more in touch with their community. Mm-hmm. In my mind, this is my opinion, obviously, yeah. but more in touch with their community, more boots on the ground. Um, and so I would like to see um, maybe them be tax exempt. But right now, I feel like I need proof for everybody with the taxes. Like, <laughs> tell me what you do. You show me what you're doing to get this assistance. I need yeah. to know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think I was thinking about the um, churches that don't necessarily bring in that much a year benefiting from something like this, but I don't know how you could measure this. Like, how do you go from saying all churches are not tax exempt to saying some of them are? Like, I don't know where that line would be, would need to be drawn. Would it have to be with members? But there's ways around that. You can buffer your member. Um, You can, you know, you can fluff that. You can make it seem like you have more members than you do mm-hmm. or you can make it seem like you have less members or you could say we're not accepting new members but you're welcome to come there's mm-hmm. all types of you know ways so or do you give like a well this church can't make anything over you know two hundred thousand a year is going to be taxed well then all you have to do is open up another church with another llc and go around that Mm-hmm. So when you and Marcus open your home church, you don't put yourself in a little LLC. <laughs> no. <laughs> as, as, as tempting as this is, and that's the sad part, this is like, when you read this stuff, you're like, oh my God, there's so much out here that you can benefit from. All I have to do is this. And we'll get into some more of that stuff. But like, it's tempting, but I know I would probably, you know, bust hell wide open because my <laughs> motives would be wrong. You know, like my motives would not be right if I ever did something like this. Um, Cause I'm not, I'm not led, I'm not, I'm led to have people, you know, in community with me, but not mm-hmm. to call it a church. That's what right. it is, but I'm not calling it that. You know what I'm saying? That, for that's legal purposes. My, yeah, for, for legal purposes. purposes. No, yeah. no, no. Um, but yeah, so it's like, where do you draw the line? You know, do you, it's just, there's so many ways around that, that I feel like, and then it would become, well, you know, what are your motives? Because you're like looking for loopholes, whereas this with the tax exempt status being, um, well, it's been like this. um, U.S. churches have been unofficially tax exempt since the country's foundation and officially since 1894. Oh, wow. So how do you do this? This is like what we were founded on. Churches don't pay property taxes and the donations made to churches are tax deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went a little bit deeper, because I was like, how? I like this. <laughs> <laughs> Dig deeper. Um, origins of tax exemption for churches actually track back to the Roman Empire when Constantine, Emperor of Rome, from um, 300, 306, I think it's AD, 306 um, to, yeah, AD, 306 to 337, granted the Christian church a complete exemption from all forms of taxation following his supposed conversion to Christianity circa 312. Good for him. Um, <laughs> converted. He knew God now. Okay. Church, church property used 
for religious purposes was also tax exempt in medieval England, based on the rationale that the church relieved the state of some governmental functions and therefore deserved a benefit in return. So I can get with that rationale. And that's that's what I was going to say about should churches be tax exempt? I don't. So if churches paid taxes. I don't trust the government to do with that money what should be done with that money. So I would just rather churches relieve the state of some governmental functions and provide folks like we wouldn't have to have conversations about oh, should we have welfare and food stamps and government assistance? If the church would do what it's supposed to be doing and helping the poor and clothing the naked and feeding the hungry, we wouldn't have to talk about. <laughs> well, we wouldn't have to literally, do, you, do I need to restate all these numbers? That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. We and that's probably, <laughs> that's probably what was happening in, three, in, 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 in oh, yeah, 306, in 337. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what was happening. They were actually doing what you stated earlier could be done today if the money was allocated that way by churches. You wouldn't have those needs, but that's just not, what did you say, Jasmine? Um, you said something earlier. Um, um, oh, I forgot, but pretty much today, like this century that we live in versus back then is not the same. It's just yeah. not like you're applying. Well, you said you're applying 21st century. Um, was it you? It was you. 21st century. You're talking about me? Maybe it was That's you. Okay. That's not me. Yeah. So that was the, um, the tagline for the, the author of this, um, this medium post. Yeah. The tagline is, uh, uh, thoughts on applying a 2000 year old religion to a 21st century life. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, I know I heard it. I'm not making it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally that, like, that was what was happening back then. The church did deserve it because they were taking, you know, matters into their hands and relieving the government from, from some of the responsibilities. I feel like that's fair, a fair conclusion. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, I like what Erica said. If the church used those funds like they could be used, then yes. We wouldn't like we wouldn't have a lot of these issues. Oh my gosh. We didn't have any of these issues. And it's frustrating, very yeah. frustrating to now that there's been numbers attached to it. I mean, it was mm-hmm. frustrating before and now it's almost infuriating. Yeah, it is infuriating because it's like, wow, you could build a whole, you can, you're, you have a gross, you have a, a gross semester, what is it, GDP, more than most third world countries combined, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like you are your own rich nation for, like, yeah. Um, and you could literally build, build with your taxes, especially with your taxes exempt status rent-controlled properties mm-hmm. for your, for your, for your communities. You could s- establish schools with whatever the heck, you know, like you could do, you could clothe everyone times 10. Um, it's just very, that's why it's infuriating. It's like you, so what are you really doing with your money? But instead, instead of making, building communities and homes, right. And building like rent controlled places you build another building mm-hmm. and once again this or is mostly also, for mega churches yeah mm-hmm. and also buying up property from low-income communities yes and folks and who can't thing. like pay the taxes mm-hmm. yep and that yeah. don't see any harm or foul in that yeah 
and putting up people who work at the church in these homes once you buy them. But anyway, <laughs> in addition, have you guys ever heard of the parsonage exemption? No, Jeff. No. <laughs> okay, so um, tell us more. The parsonage parsonage exemption um, is commissioned is a licensed or commissioned. Um, or ordained ministers of religion may deduct most of the money they spend on housing from their federal income tax. And these properties are often exempt from state property taxes. The exemption has existed since 1921 and no equivalent tax break is available to leaders of secular nonprofit charities. I love how they say secular nonprofit charities. (laughs) Yeah, why? Mm -hmm. I mean, technically, churches are religious nonprofit charities. Yeah, but secular just sounds like so worldly. Like, I mean, was, that's what has been like. Let's look up the actual definition of secular. Because, Maybe that's just the way I've heard it in the church. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. It's just non-church. It's just non-church. It just sounds so uh, sounds so evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just non non-religious, non-spiritual non-church but yeah anytime church talking about secular it was always like the devil was in it mm. <laughs> a secular worldly music like the abc song is secular then like what <laughs> g is for god <laughs> yeah but i mean can you believe though like if so if you have if you're a licensed commissioned or ordained minister you can write off your property um i'm sorry your uh housing you can literally write off your housing. I don't know what that looks like. I haven't. I did not want to dig deeper into that because I was like, I might get ordained tomorrow <laughs> just to benefit from this. Because can't or, you just like get ordained online? You yeah. sure can. You can yes. start. I can. I could become ordained right now and perform weddings. All right. I'm very. <laughs> Any takers? For- Anybody want? First of all, you about to not pay no taxes. <laughs> you all about to not pay no income you tax know? at your home church. Like <laughs> my home church, right? It's just, mm-hmm. The plot thickens, but yeah, like I just don't like. How could you not be tempted reading this and knowing this? I'm tempted right now. <laughs> I can't like, do it. You know how much money I can save my house. I mean, true. Rent? True. That's fair. I mean, temptation. I mean, I'm gonna do it, Erica. True. That's true. That's very true. But I like the idea. I do too. That's true and because I, you know the scripture. He he will not tempt you beyond more what you can bear. Hello, if that's what All they right. said. <laughs> that's what he told me. <laughs> I um I was like reading that and I was also I was mad, but then I was like, why are you mad though? Like, are you mad because this is out there? Are you mad because you didn't know? Like, <sighs> why am I upset? Am I upset because I can't take advantage of this? Yes. I think that is that why <laughs> yes because you know that your conscious is like this is bad but it sounds so good but, I'm but people just, there I'm are leave that right here Jesus that's what I know, that's why but there are people who deserve it I guess but why do you deserve like I guess the thought behind this is it because at one point people who were you know ordained ministers or is it because they maybe didn't have a good um salary to support you know their cost of living and i think that is the case still today it's not for everybody but there are still a lot of ministers who have a full-time job in addition to to being a pastor because being a pastor does not pay the bills they do it because it's their calling not because Mm -hmm. it's their uh you know vocation in terms of paying the bills 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. True. 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 Oh, anyway. <laughs> there were some interesting um, Supreme Court cases that I found um, revolving around um, church and taxation. Um, 1970 Waltz Walls versus Tax Commission of the City of New York um, talked about um, the court defending um, tax benefit on the basis that churches foster um, communities' um, moral or mental improvement. Furthermore, the court warned that the taxing that taxing churches would be a violation of the free exercise clause of the First Amendment, which bars government's interference in religious affairs. You know, it's interesting. So apparently the government is barred from interfering in religious affairs, but religions and churches are not barred from interfering with government affairs. Uh, I'm glad you said that because that might to <laughs> the next Supreme Court um, case that I ran into, 1983, Reagan versus Taxation with Representation of Washington, um, upheld the 1954 Johnson Amendment bearing churches and other nonprofit charities, including this, um, the secular ones, from receiving <laughs> tax exemption if they intervened in political campaigns. But that's not very widely enforced. I think we I'm talked about this that. in one of the art. Um, in one yeah, of our it was um, the family, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, came up in the family when we watched mm-hmm. that documentary. I was talking to because um, I had to talk to somebody. I was talking to Marcus <laughs> about this, and I was like, "What do you think about this?" And he was like, "Well, I mean, they, you know, they don't ever tell. A lot of churches won't tell you who they're voting for, but they do push certain agendas." And so it's easy right. to, to see who your pastor is like pro or against, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um, and so one thing that came to mind was, um, do y'all remember when um, old girl, I'm not even going to say her name, old girl was calling for the angels of Africa? Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And mm-hmm. they didn't, because they didn't come. But <laughs> not how she wanted to do. <laughs> they came, yeah. they came. Uh, but yeah, like that was what I was thinking. And I was like, so is that, and, you know, I understand like she was an advisor, yes, but she also had a church. And yes. so, you know, it was very clear what she was doing. So I'm like, like you said, Jasmine, it's not enforced. And um, um, President Trump signed an executive order on May 4th, 2017, titled Promoting Free Speech and Religious Liberty, which he says directs the IRS not to unfairly target churches and religious organizations from political speech. He said no one should be censoring sermons or are targeting pastors. The executive order limits enforcement of the 1954 Johnson Amendment, which prohibits churches from campaigning for or against political candidates, but it does not yet totally destroy it as Trump had promised during his presidential campaign. Oh, oh okay. Because an executive yeah. order doesn't Trump law. Ha, 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 an amendment. Oh. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that That's was just all, that was all fact. political one swipe to make the, his, uh, his, uh, Christian right base feel like they or their vote wasn't for not. So, yeah, I mean, and that's also what's also dumb about it all is the fact that it wasn't even enforced to begin with. So people just don't like having something around that says they can't do something. <clears throat> Pardon me, even though it wasn't even enforced. 
Yeah. Like, why are you worried about it? True. Because I, I definitely, I know you mentioned, Melina, that um, people kind of talk about agendas. But no, I've heard people like actually say, don't vote for this candidate or do vote for this candidate, telling people like, if you vote for this candidate, you are voting for the devil or something like that. <laughs> so, and who wants to be aligned with the devil? So, of course, I'm not going to vote for that candidate. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I've heard, I've heard it like, you know, brushed on and like, they kind of like, you know, will talk over it, but you know, you can make out what they're saying. But um, I do feel like when I, I, I've never been interested in knowing who my pastor was um, for. And I think, you know, I don't think that that should be something that you should talk about. I just feel like if, if you're for the, if you're for this candidate then cool, but if you're not, then I don't really need to know that either. Like keep that to yourself and your, your work is to, um, you know, preach the gospel and, or, you know, preach whatever faith you, you believe and, you know, help those that need, um, that need um need your help and mm-hmm. need spiritual guidance it's funny though like um i'm not a biblical scholar but mm-hmm. i can't think of one place where jesus other than one place when he was uh one one part of the bible when he was like flipping tables and he was mad mm-hmm. um but he was that that wasn't it either when did he say um render onto caesar what is caesar's i feel like that might be the only like real yeah. text that like talk has Jesus talking about political affairs, but he was like, give what's his hit to him. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what's yours is yours. Like, I don't think that he really dealt with politics. Except I mean, that's maybe only- when he was, when he was going to the cross, but even then they didn't have anything to do with him. They were like, you know, let he was your- silent for most of that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was silent for most of that time. And then even the, um, I'm drawing a blank, but um, the guy who he turned him back over to the um, Sadducees, like his the religious people, because he was like, I don't have any, I don't see any fault. Oh yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in in him. So he like I just I I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm not a biblical scholar either, but I cannot recall any other instance than the one you brought up either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to kind of go because I know how we all feel about um, the tax exemption, but there were some um, um, Britannica had a pro and con list um, that they I think it was like five um, and we won't go through all of them. Is it five? Yeah. Oh, no, it's actually more than five. Um, But we can go through like maybe like the first the first two, the pro is exempting churches from taxation upholds the separation of church and state embodied by the establishment clause of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The con is the exact thing, which is why they are unable to really come to a, any decision except what the current status is, is that they, they are tax exempt. The con is tax exemption for churches violates the separation of church and state um, insurance insured in the establishment clause of the first amendment of the u.s constitution so they're both saying the same thing wait i'm con- i'm really confused by this language exempting churches from taxation uphold separation of church and state tax exemption for churches violate the separation of church and state 
So they're saying that, that it could go that, that it can go, go either, either way. way. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. Right. That, exactly. And that's why like, so the con and the pro are the exact same thing in the opposite way. One upholds it, one um So depending on who's on the Supreme Court, it could be argued whatever way. Both ways. Both ways. This is dumb. (laughs) And then number two, um, the pro is requiring churches to pay taxes would endanger the free expression of religion and violate the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. Back to the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Um, The con is a tax exemption is a privilege and not a right not much of I mean I agree I think it's a privilege not a right I mean I would hope it's a privilege not a right but it is in the law right it's in that free exercise clause Mm -hmm. that's what they're saying Mm -hmm. yeah um but I also feel like if you're registered as a church then you you know if you're going to make the laws that kind of easy for someone to register as a church and you can get tax exempt status then don't they want to know where they're don't don't the government want a little bit more money they're hard <laughs> on everybody else and we in debt I the know. country is in debt exactly <laughs> like how much need to be a little bit better they better talk, go back and get that money from scientology oh, right right how here ridiculous i was like after reading all of the lawsuits i was like is it easy to file lawsuits they had a lot of lawsuits <laughs> I was like, how? I mean, I guess if you got money and time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. file a lawsuit with anyone. Um, yeah. Um, the last one I'm going to go um, and say and go through is um, pro number three, churches earn their tax exemption by contributing to the public good. Um, and the con is churches receive special treatment from the IRS beyond the other nonprofit, the other nonprofits receive. And such favoritism is unconstitutional. Well, well, make yourself a church. No, that is not happening. Out of the question. <laughs> I know. I mean, one of the things that I forgot to mention earlier was I know we've, we've talked about like church trauma and that is a thing. There are people who have been, you know, affected by, you know, just um, bad leadership and like when number three, it talks about churches earn their tax exemption by contributing to the public good. What about those who have been affected by um, church trauma and don't go to church anymore or, you know, are not able to, I guess we're not, we're, we're more in, in interested in the church itself and didn't really have a relationship with Christ. And because of that, once they experience trauma from the church, turn their backs altogether. Like, is that really contributing to the public good? Well, I mean, takes- this sounds about to sound really bad, but no, say it. there's bad apples in every lunch. So just because we're in an organization that's based on Jesus doesn't mean there's going to be bad things that happen. Right. True. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if we can base all of the like better good based on the cup, the, the people that may make 
may make um, bad decisions. The problem is when you create an institution that is turns a blind eye to bad mm-hmm. behavior, that's mm-hmm. an issue. That's not yeah. public good, right? But if you're, um, and it's hard to police large institutions in general. There's, so there's going to be people that are, are going to not, are going to cheat the system, not do well, going to be bad, you know, mm-hmm. make bad decisions. Um, but I think it's more about like, hey, oh, you're not, you know, I honestly think like, hey, you're not governing your body well, right? Like, mm-hmm. AKA, like if the Catholic church has been turning their blind eye, blind eye to all the sexual abuse scandals that's been going on mm-hmm. in their institution, maybe that's when you can step in and say, um, this is ridiculous. And so mm-hmm. maybe we need to fine you or you yeah. owe taxes or something like that because you're not you have you have shown that institutionally you are not able to um you are more of a detriment detriment institutionally you have an issue so you yeah. have to you you know i think that's more of a, a situation than like this person ha- there happened to be a handful of people in these th- hundreds of thousands of people who made a bad choice that's mm. you're going to get that in every organization but still depending on the degree so like within like colleges and universities, you can lose your accreditation if you're not meeting XYZ standards or if you violate certain policies, right. just one person. So, I mean, I'm for, especially like there are churches that are consistently violating things. If you want to go back to mm-hmm. talking about sexual abuse, like repeated issues yep. with sexual yeah. abuse, like I'm completely for pulling tax exempt status and making them pay not only restitution to the families but go ahead and run in taxes as well <laughs> i agree with that <laughs> that's you know that's in taxes yeah that's i i had like a little like aha moment i was like oh yeah what if they did that like what if what is it when the people who like um restaurant they, they come to your like your restaurant and they like do the, oh, the yeah the, um, the sanitation scores yeah the scores mm-hmm. Not that you would go into a church and do like a sanitation score, but if, you know, there was people who were hired to do investigations, like yearly investigations, like hospitals have it, hospitals have, um, and, and clinics and stuff they have, it's called, you know, Jayco comes in every three years or something like that. And they come in and they look at everything with a fine tooth comb and there's room for improvement always and so when they come in and they you know see that something isn't um the way it should be they you know give you time they come back you have time to fix it and you know and then when they come back if it's not fixed then you know there's other things that um there's other levels but why don't churches have that why don't they have they would have to want to do that. And it would need mm-hmm. to be like an independent investigator, not like somebody who's employed by the church because that's already uh, a conflict of interest. But well, yeah, like, it there's could no... be somebody that employed, employed by the church, but in order to receive tax exempt status, if Because they... the government can't interfere. So like yeah. this would have to be like an, a thing that a church just wanted to do on their own to better improve themselves which I'm not opposed to doing, I would actually be surprised if a church was like, we're bringing in, I feel like I heard somebody about somebody doing that for like racial justice issues, bringing in like an independent, uh, not contractor, but independent like team to kind of like look at how their church is doing with like racial justice and racial tolerance and 
you know, mm-hmm. based on what the findings were, they helped them put in a plan for improvement. So things like that, I would actually be in, encouraged, like, oh, you actually care <laughs> about what's going on and not just trying to like sweep things under the rug, which, because if people don't know, or if I don't, if somebody, if the person who's looking into the things is also on my payroll, they will bring me whatever port, report I want them to bring me. They mm-hmm. do. <laughs> and I have witnessed um, how much is kept from um, the head of a, a church. So, I mean, I definitely think that the people who are closest to the leadership um, of a church, they definitely keep a lot of things at bay. Um and maybe that's the way they like it. Or, I mean, I think that they definitely don't want certain behaviors getting to the top or being being known. So. so in some cases, that's probably good, right? Because that's why you have kind of a hierarchy of leadership. Like if I'm the visionary over this organization, don't bring me no little minor stuff to deal with. Like, that's what I hired you for. Um, but <laughs> but like repeated things about culture and granted like that should also be like on the leader to like ask for that information um that's you know I'm I'm not a leader of any type of big organization like that but like those are the things I want to know from my team like what are the issues how can we be doing better and granted you have to create a culture where people don't fear you and fear giving you bad news don't you bring me no bad news y'all seen the whiz um yes. so <laughs> so it has to be a culture like that if you know that like oh I can't tell this tell this person that because they're going to be upset or whatever then yeah you're gonna handle it yourself or sweep it under the rug and make sure nothing gets to the top because you don't want them to, to be mad at you or to fire you or you just want them to feel good all the time whatever the reason may be yeah we don't have all the answers not yeah, no not even remotely <laughs> and that is that is the point one of the points mm-hmm. of this whole podcast we ain't got all the answers but we we we're talking about the things you know and we got lots of opinions we have we a got, lot of opinions, opinions. <laughs> we bring in other people's opinions sometimes mm-hmm. we come to a resolution sometimes we don't yes. and that's fine <laughs> yes yeah. We just honestly want, I, I, when I was doing this, I just wanted to shed some light mm-hmm. on Absolutely. what's out there on the Googles <laughs> and the research that other people can do. So this has been very helpful. I'm not going to become a minister or a pastor, <laughs> <laughs> even though I'm tempted to, oh, but <laughs> It's not my ministry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's funny. But we understand if you guys are tempted after listening to this. <laughs> Resist temptation. He will Talk not to Jesus first. He might not he say bear. yes. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we hope this was as eye-opening for y'all as it has been for us. Listen, those numbers are crazy, y'all. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's really, really all I got with that. So marinate on that. Let us know what you think. And thank you. 
per use for tuning into another episode of Church Days. Follow us on the social media, specifically Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Church Days. And yes, literally leave us a comment and let you know what you thought of the episode. Is there anything that surprised you? Um, what has been your experience navigating finances, money, and the church? Um, you can also share, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever pods are casted. And special shout out to Caroline, our production assistant and intern, and we will catch you all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.